0: My name is Tyler Puppets and welcome back to the 5th Sunday After Epiphany for the week of February 6, 2022 and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig in this week's podcast and I'm excited because there is so many things that are going on just behind the scenes and I was hoping that this week I was able to just open the floodgates but I need just a hair bit more time. It's something that, again, that like I've kind of been teasing, it's something that I've been literally working on for a very long time. It's something that's causing me to do a lot of reflection on what we've accomplished over the last few years doing this podcast. But I'm really excited about where we're going with this and what this is going to mean for the long run and what this – could really mean for us going forward. And so I'm just really excited about it, but it's just needing a hair bit more seasoning before I'm quite ready to open those floodgates. So just hang with me on that. Trust me, it will all make sense. I'm hoping by next week I can say it. Otherwise, for sure by the week following. So it's something again that we're working on, and it's going to be super, super exciting. So we still have a question, though, from last week that we need to look at and we need to discuss. And that was, so where do we have to put aside our pride to hear where God is? And I heard some interesting responses to this question. Where do we need to kind of put aside our pride to be able to hear where God is? And I think one of them is definitely, especially like a person like me, is we need to quit talking. There's times where we need to be able to listen to what is going on around us instead of just going to, especially for me, like a default of talking. And especially I'm a type of person who likes at times talking things out, but there's definitely times where I need to be able to listen. But I think it's also one of these things of, Encouraging the people who are natural listeners to be willing and able to speak out, and those who are natural speakers to listen. But I think there's also times that we probably need to be able to have moments of just reflection for everyone where no one speaks and be okay with the silence and be okay with that, being okay with being just in prayer and working through it that way. And I think that's a whole nother thing in and of itself that we have to work on and deal with. And it's something I know I've talked about before. As a society, we're so used to having quick answers and having to respond. Is it okay to get to a place where we say we don't know and we need some time to be able to work through something, I think is another part of this evolution that we need to go through, is being able to get to that place where we are okay with that. So let's just jump into it. The first reading this week is out of Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 to 8, and optionally 9 through 13. This is quite the text. I would say it almost reminds me a little bit of kind of like parts of Revelation, but here we have Isaiah being presented in front of the Lord's table, and He has seraphs, which are flying snakes, we've talked about that before, each having six wings, two to cover their faces, two to cover their feet, and two they flew with, and getting to this place where they're praising God together, and yet one of these seraphs comes with a live coal and touches the tongue of Isaiah to blot out the sin, and then we get kind of a really hard text. Here toward the end, starting in verse 9, go and say to the people, keep listening, but they will not comprehend. Keep looking, but they will not understand. Make the mind of this people dull and stop their ears and shut their eyes so they may not look with their eyes and listen with their ears and comprehend with their minds and turn and be healed. Isaiah then says, How long, Lord? He says, being God. Until the cities lie waste without inhabitant and houses without people and the land is utterly desolate, until the Lord sends everyone far away in the vast emptiness in the midst of the land and even a tenth remain in it, it will be burned again. And like a tabernacle or an oak whose stump remains standing when it felled, the holy seed is in its stump. I interpret this a little bit of the people who are sometimes blinded, the people who are sometimes deaf to hear, the people who are sometimes stubborn like we all get, that God still works and it's still in God's timing that all this will still come and yet the holy seed that out of that stump, God still will prevail. The psalm this week is Psalm 138, all eight verses of it, and this is again a psalm of praise a psalm of recognition of how God continues to work within us and is able to do things with us and that we really don't have the strength that's coming from God. But he's also one that humbles and lifts up, humbles those who need to be humbled and helps us build up the strength that we need. And he delivers us and brings us through these difficult times when we need it. So realizing how dependent like a parent, how dependent we are on these people. The New Testament text this week is out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 to 11. This then gets into talking a little bit about the proclamation of what that means and how God is the one who is inspiring this. But even in that, what's interesting in this is how Paul then gets into talking about how the resurrection happened and then how Jesus reappeared to people. And he talks about at the very end, starting in verse 7, he appeared to James and all the apostles. Last of all, as the one ultimately born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unfit to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and the grace toward me has not been in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is within me. Whether then it was I or they, we, so we proclaim, and so you have come to believe." I find it very interesting, this whole moment of Paul cutting himself down and realizing that this is not making me really all that special. It's by the grace of God that this even happened and the grace of God continuing to work through me that I'm doing what I'm doing now. And that's where this text kind of ties in and we'll get into a little bit further. But again, this whole idea of the proclamation this should embolden you there's multiple people who said yes this happened and they Jesus reappeared to many of them including myself and yet this is what emboldens us to move forward the gospel text this week is out of luke chapter 5 verses 1 to 11 jesus has gathered another group of people and they're pressing in on him he sees some boats He has some fishermen, and this is kind of, again, part of that call story we'll get to here. He gets out into one of the boats a little ways, and this then allows him to be able to preach. And while he's speaking, he turns to Simon, who he had just healed his mother in the chapter before, to push out into deeper waters and to cast the nets. Simon responds with We have worked all night long, we've caught nothing, but if you say so, we'll drop down our nets. When they did this, there was so many fish that the nets were on the edge of breaking. And so they call over the other boat to get them. Simon Peter falls down on his knees and states, go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. And when they realized the amazing catch that they had had, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus says to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. And when they came ashore, they left everything and followed him. So there's a lot here. I want to get in a little bit of the historical context here in the Luke text Cause I think it will also a little bit help with where we're going a little bit with the science. So give me a moment here, but I think that's gonna be part of this whole tie-in. So before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do shameless plugs for. Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I love using these resources on a week-to-week basis. Being able to listen to different seminary professors, along with having commentaries from other biblical scholars, I find it extremely helpful to being able to help steer this podcast on a week-to-week basis. So, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. I'd also highly recommend checking out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from the lectionary.library.vanderbilt.edu. I really enjoy using it for how they lay out the text each week. But I also, as I keep reiterating, I really like that they have the art that isn't just necessarily European art. It's going through world art throughout time and being able to see through the eyes of how others have interpreted these texts. I find extremely helpful to be able to get some unique perspectives to help bring you this podcast on a week to week basis. So if you haven't checked out the lectionary.library.vanderbilt.edu I'd highly recommend that also. Finally, again, if you haven't checked out The Chosen, I think it's a really unique project that is really happening, and I think it's doing very good justice to what Jesus' ministry is looking like. So if you haven't checked out The Chosen, I know season three will be dropping right before Christmas, so I'd highly recommend checking out those first two seasons. They're worth the watch. So I'd highly recommend checking out The Chosen. Let's get into this Luke text and let's get into a little bit of the historical context of what's going on and then let's bring in the science. What we know of this time, and you can go into your different study Bibles and look at this, Rome had these high fishing requirements on the Sea of Galilee, specifically Galileans like this. So when James and John and Simon Peter are leaving their nets, this is a huge, like, push away from the rule of Rome in a lot of ways and was potentially seen as really moving up to be following a teacher compared to being a a fisherman. But also recognize that at this point to take an environmental slant, the Sea of Galilee got fished out. They overfished it to provide all this for the feeding of people in Rome. And so it would have been very potentially possible that they would have had problems at times fishing that it was just being overfished and again if you're wanting to see kind of some of the beginning of this complexity check out the first episode of The Chosen there they touch on some of this lightly with Simon Peter and I think that's one of the things that we have to also know in this background of the disobedience that was coming with them leaving their nets and in a way sticking it to Rome but also that They were doing something that was contributing to a problem that was going to be long lasting. And here Jesus is coming in, changing the situation, but also then changing their situation, not only in the present, but in the future. That This is something that's going to be life changing, but also the recognition of God's timing and how that all comes into this. So let's dig into this. I will attach down below the link to a TED Talk this week that I found extremely helpful that was that's from 2018-2019 from Phil Plait who is an astronomer And talks about how even in different parts of his career, how especially in the 80s and into the early 90s, we knew that our sun was the brightest in our little solar system with planets circling around it. But we hadn't found anywhere else that that was happening. And they kept trying to push. And with the technology we had in the Hubble Space Telescope and trying to push those boundaries and kept trying to find it. And in 1991, Andrew Lynn and Matthew Bales made an announcement. They, at a planetary convention, made the comment that they had discovered a planet circling a pulsar. Now, a pulsar is a remnant of a star that previously exploded, so this would have been highly unlikely. But they had the data showing that this was happening. And this was extremely exciting news. However, after that was announced, a group of scientists came in and kind of asked them about specific spots with their work, specifically focusing on the effects of the Earth's motion around the sun and the analysis and calculations that needed to be done with that. When they went back and did that, they realized what they were interpreting as a planet disappeared. It was literally a human error that then caused this idea that there was suddenly a planet circling this pulsar. So in 1992, Andrew Lynn did the very difficult thing of standing up in front of the American Astronomical Society and retracting what he had said the year before saying that they looked at it, they took into some of the critical criticism that essentially like peer reviewing from his peers and realized that when they redid the results that it had disappeared. And if you think about it, that's very difficult for someone to do, to recognize that they were wrong and to be able to outwardly admit that, that they were wrong. When this happened, he got a standing ovation from his scientific colleagues for having the integrity and the courage to admit that they were wrong. The amazing thing with that is immediately following that, Alexander Volsken stood up and was next to the stage and confirmed the discovery of planets circling a pulsar and was able to say, we double-checked the work. We made sure we didn't have this error and this then opened up the beginnings of having exoplanets around other stars and was the a way to lead into having now finding multiple of these within within our galaxy there were two quotes from the TED talk that Phil Plait said that I thought were really powerful the first is this the price of doing science is admitting when you're wrong. But the payoff is the best there is, knowledge and understanding. The second is this, science is at its best when it dares to be human, when it essentially dares to be wrong. What does this have to do with Jesus and Simon Peter and them fixing their nets on the shore and telling them to push out into deeper water? They had tried. All night. And again, we have to look at Simon Peter and these young men, teenagers to young 20s. They'd done it all night. They knew what they were doing, but being told to push deeper, to try harder, and that the timing was just not quite right. And yet, when the time was right, suddenly there was an abundance of fish. Phil Plate talked about in his own data when he was a younger scientist that he had chased looking for planets himself and some data from another scientist saying that there might be there and finding that it wasn't there, unfortunately. That there wasn't enough data to be able to really confirm, but realizing that it probably wasn't there. There was too much noise in the data. But I think about the balance of Andrew Lin being able to stand up and first think he made this groundbreaking discovery and then admitting that he was wrong but in his air because Alexander Volshkin then heard what was going on, made sure to make those corrections and his own data to make sure that that would have been checked, which then allowed for over the next few years in the early 90s, finding all these planetary bodies, this abundance of planets that suddenly are there. The time was then right. But I think the real rubber, where the rubber meets the road here really is what was going on with Lynn. Lynn being able to stand up with his integrity and the courage to admit that he was wrong, to admit that he made a mistake. And we've talked about in past podcasts before and how science at times has difficulty going through and actually checking its work because we're in the business, in a way, of having some type of positive result or showing something. But essentially, to say, we have something, to go back a year later and say, we have nothing, takes courage. It takes daring ability to go and do that. Paul is doing the same thing in the Corinthians text, talking about, I am no greater than any of you. If anything, I'm the least of you because I persecuted the church. But yet, by the grace of God, he's continued to use me. How God comes into our lives like we see in the Isaiah text, blots out the sin so that we can sing praise and realizing that there's times where we're going to be going into places that are going to seem hard and yet God still is going to be working through that whether we see it in our lifetime or not. The hard thing at times with science is that we are trying to understand and sometimes we're not at the place where we're ready to understand. But negative results essentially mean that there's just more things that we need to understand. Having things just being consistently positive results just reaffirms what we are already thinking. A negative result means there's more we need to understand. Simon Peter, that moment, mending his nets after hours of fishing and finding nothing to suddenly be told to push out, put down the nets a little further, put down the nets a little further. Pull up more fish than he had easily picked up all night long, and realizing that there was maybe more that was needing to be understood about this guy. This guy who had just healed his mother before this, in the chapter before. That there's something going on. There's something deeper here. I had made calculations that today there weren't any fish, and yet this man tells me something more to drop my nets further, and suddenly there's more fish. What have I overlooked? I at least had the courage to be able to listen to this man. I had the courage to go against, like, man, I've tried already. Why would I try again? There's no fish out there. That's my result. We found a planetary body, and you're telling me to take a calculation to show that there isn't? And, oh, crap, there isn't. And we were so confident in ourselves. Simon Peter probably felt very confident in himself also. They're not biting today. They're not there today. How do we in our lives get stubborn in the same way? Where do we get stubborn where then it makes it difficult for God to work in us? Where do we need to expand and be humble enough to be admit that we're wrong? Humble enough to take someone's adv- critical advice and actually go back and look at our research to even see if there is an error. How many of us would have said, no, we've already calculated that and that we pursue confidently instead of being humble and realizing that if we're upfront about our mistake, it keeps the credit within ourselves, which especially within the scientific community, that's huge. Keeping your credibility, but then also being able to admit the fault so that someone else doesn't make the same mistake. How many of us would just push on through that? So the question I have for you this week is, how often are you humble enough to let God steer you? How often are you humble enough to let God steer you? Because we can be stubborn. We can get really in our own way. We can get into a place where we think we know best. We see it in science, but we see it in day-to-day life right now too. And if we're not willing to listen and we're not willing to admit our own errors, How much credibility do we really have? How much does it allow God to really work within us anyways? Because we've got so much pride of our own selves that it makes it difficult to actually be a vessel that God can use. I just think about the second part of that story too. Of Alexander Volkan hearing about this, probably interacting some with Andrew Lin and asking about how things were going and what calculations they were doing to make sure that he didn't make the same mistake and the pettiness that could have happened there. But instead, being able to one, stand up and admit your error to make sure that then others don't make the same mistake so that it actually moved forward where people were moving, allowing us to further understand. And I think in a way, the waters then had been prepared for us to understand. We knew at that moment then we had made the right calculations so that we could further understand the creation of what God had laid out for us. That's part of this whole connection with God that we all work on. This ability to be able to connect and realize that there's times where we don't understand and being okay with that. And realizing for us to understand, we need to spend more time. And that's one of the things I think we really see in these texts and even the psalm as we lean into God and realizing that God is at the wheel, steering the boat, that that's when we really start, truly starting to understand the creator that we have. To me, that's pretty exciting. And that's the excitement within this text. This calling that we get in Luke's text of Simon, Peter, James, and John, but really the additional calling that he has for us too. Being able to admit our faults, see where God is working, And want to know more because that thirst for knowledge along with being daring to be human pushes us forward and strengthens the relationship so we'll wrap this up as we always do i pray god blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science